Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Blue Wire. Okay. Okay. And Sarah leave me much like wife left me. All those years ago in Russia, it break heart of me. And I don't know if I ever get happiness back. I gain happiness once again when the Utah Jazz win championship in 2022. Until then, I am in Russia by myself, close to Siberia, next to Chernobyl. I put on my headphones and I just hear close to Siberia next to Chernobyl. Victor was Victor was telling everybody that uh, you left just like his (laughs) wife did all those years ago. And that the the only time he will ever find happiness again is when the Utah Jazz (laughs) win the 2022 title. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah Jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network with me, Sarah Todd, the Jazz Beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. That's not my name. Sorry. My co-host, Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. (laughs) It's a funny name. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, man. Rip, Norm MacDonald, one of the absolute best. Yeah, like one of the five funniest people I think to ever live. I was talking about him a little bit yesterday because I like everything that we're seeing, all the videos and montages that are coming out. He was just like so freaking kind. Yes. And just like um, I remember watching like it was some sort of last comic standing sort it was like a competition show for comics. I don't think that it was last comic standing and Norm McDonald was one of the judges. And I just remember like watching this reality show many, many years ago and almost crying every time that Norm Macdonald talked because he was like so caring and so giving. And like, I think that Roseanne Barr might have been one of the other people. And like, she was kind of a like- I was going to say, that's kind of the polar opposite yeah, of Norm Macdonald. And he was just like so kind. And I was like, how the f- is Norm Macdonald making me cry as a judge on a reality show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, he was a magical man. I still like, I had to go back yesterday and watched the moth joke from conan oh it's one of my favorite it's It's, so good it might be my favorite joke joke of all time i'm not kidding you i don't mean that hyperbolically no i watch that every single time and it absolutely turns my stomach into knots because i get so anxious (laughs) i know (laughs) and then he delivers the the perfect punchline it's so good that and when he was, uh, I forgot the name of the the woman on uh, Melrose Place when she was on Conan oh, yeah. as well. Promoting and making... that movie with Carrot Top. <laughs> yeah, box office poison. Box office poison. <laughs> oh my God. So good. Anyway. Yeah. Rip, Rip Norm MacDonald. I actually, this is a really weird story that has to do with norm mcdonald that like this is probably like some tmi but i i don't care right now but you said that your name was turd ferguson and it reminded me that in college i was in a really bad relationship and uh with like a really controlling guy and he was like reading my phone and my texts and like my emails and everything all the time and so i made like a burner email account which had a really weird it was just like a bunch of numbers for like yahoo mail but my name that I put on there was Tina Ferguson, because <laughs> at the moment that I was making that email, I was watching that episode of SNL when he said Turd Ferguson. I was like, here we go. <laughs> like, I'm not going to write Turd Ferguson. So <laughs> I was absolutely expecting it to be a bunch of numbers with the, the name Ape Tit. <laughs> <laughs> Ape Tit. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, and I still have that email and I use it for like, like junk mail stuff. And every time I, every time I log in, it's like, hi, Tina Ferguson. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. We're doing a mailbag episode this week and a lot of people sent in questions uh, via every format they could. And we really appreciate (laughs) people doing that. Like I said, last week, we're doing a giveaway. And so we're randomly picking one of the people that sent in a question and I'm going to send you one of the playoff t-shirts from the Jazz's run last year. And so congratulations to the winner to be named later in the episode. So stay tuned. And if you're a winner, you'll find out and we'll send you a, a DM or whatever. Oh yeah. Before we get into that, a few items that, uh, that we wanted to go over, Greg, I was looking through like the numbers and demographics on the pod and I found it really interesting, just like who and where people are listening to this podcast, because you'd think that like 99% of everyone is just like in Utah. Yeah. That is not the case. 53% of our listeners are in Utah, which is a crazy number. I was like, that's wild. That's a lot of people outside of Utah. So I really appreciate that. And even more so shout out to all of these people, the 200 or so people that are listening in Australia. Oh, hell yes. The 115 ish people that are listening in the UK shout out to our Canadian brethren that are listening. We've got people in the Philippines, shout out to them, South Africa, Japan, Belgium, Finland, Germany, shout out to all of them. I cannot believe that there are people from there. Listening. You, for, you forget. <laughs> oh, and Soviet Russia. <laughs> and who tune in to number one, you, the jazz podcast. It's actually funny, Victor, that you mentioned that, um, zero listeners in Russia. <laughs> It is bullshit, I contend. <laughs> fake news. Yeah, I am part of the fake news media. So <laughs> that's what they call me. They call me fake news Todd. Anyways, I just wanted to shout out because I thought that was really cool that we've got that you know cool. listeners everywhere. And that's fun. And also that we are getting weirdly close, really creeping up fast to the start of the NBA season. Training camp begins September 28th. Preseason begins October 4th. We are 33 days, 20 hours as of recording this on Wednesday from the beginning of the 21-22 NBA season. I mean, not, not like you're counting or anything. I do have a countdown on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Which I'm actually very happy about because uh, this offseason has not been great. Yeah. Just because I miss it so much. And uh, my beloved University of Utah Utes are trash. I literally have nothing to say to that because I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, watch. you don't need to. Just you yeah. can just nod your head and agree. They're bad. Yeah, they're trash. <laughs> and final piece of uh, housekeeping before we get into the questions this week. <laughs> this is embarrassing because <laughs> I. <laughs> I was watching, like, I saw that we were getting like some more iTunes reviews and I was like, dude, I should leave a review for us. <laughs> Not realizing that it was going to take my username that was already like built in. And I didn't know that that was NBA Sarah. And so, so funny. I left a review <laughs> that was like, Sarah and Greg are amazing. Like they're the best. And like, thinking I was going to do it anonymously. And then it posted at NBA Sarah as the name of the reviewer. And I was like, how do I fix this? So I spent like two hours, like Googling, how do I delete an iTunes review? And then finally, I I got to the point where like, I couldn't delete it, but I could edit it. And so I just went back and I changed it to like, Sarah and Greg are great, but I'm biased so that like it was obvious. And I was like, all right, that's fine. But five-star review from, from me. I tried to do it on the sly, but I, I failed. You know, you might be part of the fake news media, but at least on this podcast, you are fair and unbiased. It's the accountability podcast. So I had to, I had to own up. <laughs> I had to own up immediately. Speaking of other podcasts, though, yes. uh, I do need to do a quick shameless plug. And the uh, Clutch Talk boys had me on last week to talk all things jazz and, you know, 
test my MBA knowledge, which I can say that I passed with flying colors. So, Beautiful. you know, going to pat myself on the back there. But yeah, it was a super fun podcast. You can find it both on YouTube as well as a bunch of the other streaming platforms. Um, I've tweeted it out or you can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Clutch Talk One. And, yeah. you know, they're going and collecting interviews with all sorts of fans and people in the media for all teams in the NBA. So if it doesn't always just have to be jazz, you know, or, or just my opinions on the jazz, go and, and listen to them. And, you know, if you want to listen to them on the nets or the bucks to the rockets or whomever. Yeah, definitely go and check that out. And thanks to the clutch talk crew for having Greg on. That was great. Yeah, it was fun. Let's get into some questions. Yeah. First one I can dive into is from Strokey McGee <laughs> on Twitter, which right off the bat. <laughs> hell yeah. Strokey McGee. Mickey. McGee. Nope. That's it. Yeah, that's Strokey That's McGee. what it is. Strokey McGee. <laughs> We're just batting a thousand right now. So actually this is the, these are two questions. This guy is getting a lot of bang for his buck. Number one, what's going on with Ilya Silva? Are the jazz bringing him back? Sarah? No, no, and nothing. <laughs> nothing and no. Uh, yeah. That was just a, a rental for the latter part of the season. We won't be seeing him back there. He's not going to, he's not on the roster. He was a free agent and uh, wherever he may end up, he will go. That's it. It's not like they used him anyway. So no, it wasn't like they used him anyways. <laughs> bum, bum, ba, dum, bum. <laughs> And the then you two will obviously watch all the games, but what games do you have circled on the schedule as must see this season? That's a great question. Uh, I've got a, Oh, Nope. <laughs> I'm pushing a lot of buttons that should not be pushed. <laughs> I mean, for me, there's always, I mean, anytime the jazz face the Lakers, I'm going to watch not only because of the rivalry, but because I'm a big LeBron fan bucks, of course, you know, ultimately for me, it boils down to, are the Jazz legitimate contenders again this season? Yeah. And so the games that I have my eye on are the games against other contenders. You know, can they go to Denver and and beat the Nuggets? You know, can they beat the Bucks? Can they hang with the with the Phoenix Suns who beat them all three times they played last year? You know, uh, what does what does a, a revenge game against the Clippers look like? Things like yeah. that. You know, how do they stack up against the Brooklyn Nets? Some of the games that I'm thinking about, I mean, right off the bat in my head, I'm I'm very excited to watch the Chicago Bulls this season. Yeah. And so I'm I'm thinking about that. Like, when are they playing Chicago? Which is they play Chicago uh at least uh March 16th. That's the one that I can find right now scanning over. There's probably one earlier in the season that I missed, but that's one that I think will be fun, especially later in the season, actually, that March game. Uh once Chicago kind of rounds into whatever they're gonna be next season. Uh, they either figure it out or it just or like, they're just garbage. They yeah, they just implode. Yeah. It really could go either way too. Like if if I'm that's not if I was a Vegas odds maker, not really one that I'd be super stoked on having to make some sort of bet on. No. And then also I was thinking kind of along the lines of like who's going to be injured and then when might they come back? And so I'm looking at the later season Denver games. Yeah. So that would be like February 2nd. That's an ESPN game that's slated against the Nuggets. That's one that I'll be keeping my eye on because like, is Jamal Murray going to come back? Because right now it's slated as he could come back as early as January, but like they're definitely going to hold him out longer than that. So may maybe he's back by then. And so that's one that I got my eye on. And then we talked about this before. They've got a they've got a run at the end of the season that's they're going up it starts on uh, March 27th and it's Mavericks Clippers Lakers Warriors Grizzlies then they play uh, the Thunder as like a respite and then they finish Phoenix Portland and so like that that's end brutal. that end of the season run because it's like who's going to be resting players who's going to be gunning for position and plus it's all like a bunch of West contenders just boom 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 one right after another that's it's more like the section of the 
of the schedule that I'm looking at. And then also, like I was talking about with injuries, you know, you've got Kawhi that's going to be out for probably the majority of the season, but the, then jazz play the Clippers twice in, uh, in March, they play them on March 18th and then on March 29th. And so like, is Kawhi going to be back for those? And what's that going to look like? Yeah. And then you had mentioned the Mavericks and I will absolutely be tuning in on Christmas. I think that'll be fun. That'll be cool. I love, yeah. I mean, I always, I, when I give like uh, speeches at like journalism workshops in college or for like high school students or whatever, so, like, sometimes I'll go and talk to students about like working in sports journalism. I always start out by saying like, I work nights, weekends, holidays. I haven't been home with my family in a decade for Christmas. And that might all sound bad, but uh, I get paid to watch basketball. And so that's the yeah. good part. And Yes, it, it, it is a trade-off because I don't get to be at home with my family on Christmas, but watching basketball on Christmas Day is absolutely one of my favorite things in the world. And so I'm I'm very much looking forward to the fact that I get to be in Utah and watching the Mavs and the Jazz on Christmas. That's going to be a, one that I'm going to circle for sure. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for that game. Moving on. This one is specifically for you because I could not answer this question. Yeah. Uh, this is from Dustin uh, Ranglack, I think is how you pronounce that. Ranglack. Dustin Ranglack. D.H. Ranglack on Twitter. Uh, which Hogwarts house would each of the players slash coaches be in and why? I think that I was thinking about this after I saw this question and I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to eventually make a deep dive as I did when I was covering the Sixers about what character from the Harry Potter world each player on the jazz is. I'll be doing that at some point during this regular season. But as far as Hogwarts houses go, the jazz feel like more of a Hufflepuff team than like any other team in the NBA, because it's like loyal to loyalty, happiness, and like good vibes. And it's just like all those, you've got Jordan Clarkson and then you've got like the trio friends of Donovan Royce and Eric Pascal, and everyone just seems like happy, good friends. And I think that it's possible Rudy might be more of a Ravenclaw type. He seems really self-reflective, but I think it's also obvious that we have to put Joe Ingles and Quinn Snyder and Slytherin because there's an evil streak in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, totally. I, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> you like, you're like, I have nothing for this. I've literally never read a Harry Potter book nor seen a Harry Potter movie all the way through. I think that I'm literally on my like 26th or 27th reread of the books right now because I am a, I am a, I'm a sad, simple person. <laughs> it, it takes barely anything to entertain me, <laughs> even if it's the same thing over and over and over again. Many I mean, you like, you like what you like. I like what I like. Many more uh, Sarah Harry Potter jazz takes to come in the future. Thank you, Dustin Ranglack. What's you remember in that movie, uh, Coneheads? Were you? It's been you? it's been so long since I've seen it, but yes, yeah, the movie. Isn't there like the monster? Is something like Ranglack? I don't know. It like I said, it's probably been twenty years since yeah, I've same. seen Coneheads. When I read his last name, I just thought that sounds like the monster from Coneheads. So in you, a, you you could be right. I don't know. That's a that's a compliment, Dustin. So you're welcome. Yeah. Let's see. Bon, this bon, is Bon <laughs> Ivermectin, which is so good. That's so uh, <laughs> at, as a Sakoy on Twitter, I, I guess that's how you pronounce it. I don't know how you say that. As a Matsukoi. As a Matt Sequoia, sure. Um, yeah. Question is, how much faith do you guys have in Rudy too, as a small ball five, beyond using him in that capacity in, quote, emergency situations? While there was a significant regression the last years, I think Andy's article, I'm guessing Andy Larson from the right. Salt Lake Tribune, was spot on. He still does look pretty sturdy physically. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Rudy Gay's calling card 
throughout his career has been adapting to whatever the team team needs from him at the Mm -hmm. time. And so I don't think that he's going to have, and like he did that in San Antonio and he's, I mean, he did it, he's done it everywhere. And so I don't think that he's going to have much trouble fitting in. That's with the caveat that like, you just don't know. You just Mm -hmm. don't know. Cause like, I thought the same thing about Ed Davis because he's been kind of like a Swiss army knife type of guy throughout his career. And like Jeff green too. Yep. And sometimes it just doesn't work. A player is just not going to work in a system sometimes. And like, I didn't, I didn't expect for Boyan to work out as well as he did for the jazz as immediately as he did for the jazz. Right. And so you don't know until you just throw these guys in and have them work together. But with Rudy Gay's history of being adaptable on each team, I, I, I have high hopes for him mm-hmm. as far as the small ball five goes. Um, he's played it a little bit more in recent years. And I, I do think that the jazz are going to use him in that capacity, not just in emergency situations. It doesn't feel like a Quinn Snyder move to throw something out that he hasn't practiced a lot. Oh yeah, totally. And so I think that if they're going to use him as a small ball five, they will like work that and tool it throughout the season. Yeah. And just to, to build off what you're saying, I will say this, and that is, if the Utah Jazz are relying on a 35, nearly 36-year-old Rudy Gay, then you know what? They're probably not that good of a team to begin with. Um, this is a guy that's going to come in and probably play anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes a night. You know, he's, he's for the most part, taking the George Niang minutes. Exactly. And that ended, and, at the end of the last season, I think it was an average of 12. So, like, expect that. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's not a, he's, this is not borderline all-star Rudy Gay. You're getting anymore. He's a role player. He knows that he's going to come off the bench, but I will say that, yes, he's been super adaptable every, everywhere he's been. Um, and I'm very excited about that. I, it's also not me going on a limb saying that Rudy Gay is a better player than George Niang. I think that we will see better numbers from Rudy Gay. He's also a much better defender. Yeah. You know, and a guy who can play the small ball five as well as like a guy who isn't always going to get beat on the perimeter if he has to go and close somebody out, you know, or like you can put him on a Kawhi or or a LeBron for a few minutes and he'll be able to hold his own kind of a thing, you know, which is something you couldn't say about George Niang. Yeah. And like, I also want, like, I want fans to be a little patient too, because, yeah. you know, when you have a guy that's been in a system for a few years and then moves on, I think he was, you know, and he was with San Antonio for a few years. This is not a guy who's been playing like one year contracts bouncing around. And like mm-hmm. he, and that like, it took Mike Conley a while to get used to Quinsoner's system and figure out exactly what his role on the team was. And I mean, Ricky Rubio too. Exactly. And everyone gets very reactionary when it doesn't work out immediately. And so I would just, my call to action is patience because there, this is a short turnaround from last season and uh, coming from the Spurs system. I mean, while it's kind of the, you know, the Popovich tree, that's true that, you know, Quinn has some of that in him. Those are different systems. And the last couple of years, the Spurs were mostly working on development for their young players. And so there wasn't a lot of like attention to detail on sort of rounding out who Rudy Gay was for the Spurs. That wasn't like their main priority. And so it just might take a little bit. And also I could be completely wrong on that too. Like on the same note that I was talking about earlier, like Boyan came in and like, it took no time for him to just be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing here. And so same thing might happen with Rudy, but I, I just have like a a little bit of a suspicion that like, it might take him a minute. Yeah. I I also have some hope seeing that, you know, the big reason why Rudy Gay came to Utah in the first place is because he's good friends with Mike Conley. Right. And so like, there's a rapport there. And like, I think that could really help get him acclimated and get him familiar. And like, he's got a good friend on the team, which can pay big dividends. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really thought about that, but like, 
Mike's experience that first year on the jazz and because how, of how close he is with Rudy Gay still might mm-hmm. just be incredibly beneficial for Rudy. I, yeah. I haven't really thought about it too much, but that's really true because Mike has talked about it ad nauseum about how his experience that first year was valuable to him and it was really, really hard. And yeah. so I, I think that those guys will talk about that. Yeah. You know, and like you could do a hell of a lot worse than having a guy like Mike Conley in your corner. I mean, we've seen the impact he's had on on the entire team and especially Donovan Mitchell. And if Rudy Gay up, you know, upended his life and came to Utah to come play for the Jazz and come play with Mike Conley, then that that speaks volumes to the type of person Mike Conley is. Absolutely. What do we got? What do we got next? Let's see. Moving on. This is from Megan Bishop, you know, friend of the show, avid listener, and her son, Braden. Braden Lo- says, longtime listeners, love them. Day one yeah. listeners. Uh, Braden asks, what are some out there predictions you have for this next season? I am expecting for. Oh. I guess it's not an expectation. It's just like an out there prediction, which is exactly what the question asks for Royce (laughs) O'Neal to be a much bigger part of the offense. Interesting. I have one for the league at large Mm -hmm. and then a one that is Utah jazz specific. Give them to me. My one for the league is that either Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal are no longer members of their current teams by the trade deadline. Yeah, definitely. One, I'm not saying both of them, but one of the two. I don't know which one that is. Yeah. But I think one of those two players is gone by the trade deadline. And then more trade deadline predictions. Joe Ingles is not a member of the Utah Jazz at the end of the trade deadline. Yeah, it's a... It's weird because like within within jazz fans, I feel like things have been pretty split when people have talked to me about that, at least on social media. Is it mm-hmm. some... A lot of people think that like Joe's time here has been spent well and that it is nearing its end. And then there's some people that are like, you're f- crazy. We need Joe Ingles. He's great. And I mean, I, I fall somewhere in the middle because yeah, we've talked about it before. Like his regular season performance speaks well of the kind of player that he still is at his age, but his postseason performance does not. And so to me, that says, like, why not try to move him when his stock is at his highest in the Mm -hmm. peak of the regular season? And then on the other hand, it's like, what if what if the right package isn't there and they're not going to get the return they want? Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, And I think I think that's that's valid. But, you know, if they're I just I tend to lean more in the idea that like if if Joe plays like he did last regular season, you're going to get something good from it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but a Joe Ingles still has a ton of value and can net you someone super solid. Maybe that, that missing piece, that perimeter defender, that three and D guy that you need that can help Royce and alleviate some of that defensive burden. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And I kind of, I mean, if they are able to bring in someone that's going to play a little bit more defensively on the wing, then it might open up Royce O'Neal to play a little bit more on the offensive end. Maybe he's a really, he was a 40 something percent three point shooter. He's a great shooter. let Let it rip. And like every single time that we see Royce like drive hard into the paint, it almost always ends up well. Like he's an athletic dude and he's very powerful, very strong. And so I would just like to see them like run some stuff to like get him easy buckets. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it would be great. It would be really great. Would love to, would love to see it. Um, And then Megan's question is the best book you've read this year. Ooh. Uh, I know exactly what my answer is going to be. I, up until, I don't know, the last three, four months, something like that, I had never seen the movie Jurassic Park. Um, and for some reason I'm, I mean, it's pretty well known that like, I don't watch movies. That's a, so it's not surprising that I hadn't seen Jurassic Park. (laughs) What's surprising is that for the things that I haven't read or watched ever, 
I am very good at completely disregarding any information that comes into my brain about those things. And so like, I, I decided, okay, this year I, cause I own the book Jurassic Park. I'd never read it. I was like this year, I'm going to read Jurassic Park and then I'm going to watch the movie for the first time. So I read Jurassic Park. Turns out very good book guys, highly recommend. <laughs> but as I was reading it, <laughs> as I was reading it, this is, I'm not joking. This is literally like three months ago as I'm reading it. I turned to Colin, my boyfriend, and I'm like, what's a velociraptor look like? And he's like, how do you not know even like the the hugest like points? It's like an iconic thing that everyone remembers from the 90s. And I'm like, I just block if it if I haven't experienced it, I block it out completely. So I had to Google what a velociraptor looked like as I was reading Jurassic Park. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um very, very good book. Really, really liked it. It was really good. <laughs> I just, I can't get over in the year of our Lord 2021. <laughs> yeah. You have discovered Michael Crichton. I really have. It's funny. I was just talking about this today because I'm Incredible. reading, I'm reading Salem's Lot right now by Stephen King. Uh huh. And I'm like a third of the way through the book when they finally spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read Salem's Lot in the last 40 years. It's a vampire book. And I didn't know that. And so I texted Colin again. I was like, this is a vampire book. And he's like, how do you do this? How do you block out everything? (laughs) That is, that's an incredible skill. I don't, I don't know how it happens, but it, it definitely happens. Yeah. So I recommend Jurassic Park. (laughs) Incredible incredible yeah (laughs) i'm really excited for you to get the 30 year anniversary edition i i've got the lost world on deck right now so i'll probably read that in in your like 2040 (laughs) amazing all right so for me i actually have three great um and i try to kind of differentiate what i read i read a lot of books uh about do you uh, because it seems like everything you read is like really depressing (laughs) it really is i read a lot of uh foreign policy books yeah (laughs) and like the bad things that our country does books yeah i guess like i can't really judge because this year in particular has been uh, I've strayed away from what I usually read because what uh-huh. I usually read is true crime novels and so it is that is usually like you know 20 to 30 books a year of just straight up grisly murder yeah and so I can't really judge it just happens this year I've been on like sort of a fiction binge <laughs> yeah so uh two foreign policy books that I have read uh this year both of which are kind of tied for just the best books I've read this year and some of the best books I've read in a very long time. And it is Vincent Bevan's The Jakarta Method mm-hmm. and Spencer Ackerman's Reign of Terror. Now, I've heard a, I've had a lot of friends that have read Reign of Terror recently. It's so good. And it, it comes highly recommended. Yeah, I won't. This is not the podcast to no. get in, <laughs> into all of that. Uh, I'm just going to throw out those two titles and you can do the research yourself on a sports related note though. Mm-hmm. I read, uh, Mirren faders from, uh, uh, from the ringer. I think that's mm-hmm. how you yeah, pronounce Mirren Fader. Say yeah. her name. Yeah. She wrote a book on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right. Um, I think just titled Giannis, which was phenomenal and so incredibly well-researched. And I was a huge Giannis fan before, uh, you know, I was a Giannis fan before it was cool. Guys. <laughs> yeah. I got in on the cutting room floor. Yeah. But it, it really dove deep into his very impoverished youth and like his growing up as like a street vendor in Greece and how that like prepared him to become the world's best basketball player you know and how it was this like never never going back kind of mentality like I have no I have no other option than to work harder than everybody else because if I don't make this I'm going back to getting evicted from my apartment every month and like really reading his story and his struggle and his you know, having to deal with, with racism in, in Greece and then 
having to deal with racism in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and this feelings of loneliness and being a foreigner and adapting. Um, incredibly good book. If you are a fan of basketball, if you are a fan of Giannis, I cannot recommend that book enough. Definitely. Uh, I can co-sign and I can also say uh, Mirren Fader is also someone that you should be following yes. uh, on social media. She does great work and uh, listen to her and read her stuff anytime that you can. Um, yeah. I guess also, uh, you know what, I'll, <laughs> I'll do one more other than Jurassic sure. Park, one a little bit more topical and more recent. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend and the NBA writer, reporter for the Washington Post, Ben Golliver, he yep. wrote a book uh, about the Orlando bubble experience. It's called Bubble Ball. Oh, I, it's on my list. I need to read this. It is. It is absolutely great. And like he he while he was writing and after he wrote the book, he talked about like and it's so Ben Golliver to do something like this, but he was so dedicated to writing the book that he like structured out exactly how many pages per day that he would need to write in order to get to his deadline and meet it. And just like, he was, he was very structured and very dedicated to it. And I think that that structure and dedication comes through in the book. And he, I mean, he gives you all these sort of behind the scenes glimpses that you didn't get if you weren't literally on the NBA campus in Orlando. And it's just a you know, I think that a lot of people, it was kind of like it, it flew by and it was this weird thing that happened in a capsule. And so I highly, highly recommend that book. It's a, it's a great read at any time, no matter the fact that the NBA is not in that place anymore. Yeah. I'm going to read that once I get done with the super sad book I'm reading right now. What are you reading right now? Reading Prophets Pray. <laughs> oh, yeah. About the, the FLDS church. Yeah. I'm probably very well done. Very sad. After, after I finished Salem's lot, I'm uh, my next, next up on the list uh, is under the banner of heaven. Ooh, very, has, very good. Which has come highly recommended to me, not only for my interest in uh, things that are Utah, but also in true crime. And so it's going to mix a lot of things that I would you like to borrow learn my about. Copy? I've got a copy actually. Okay. Great. And so yeah, awesome book looking forward, looking forward. I guess I'm looking forward to that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's going right. to be my, it's going to be my first nonfiction book uh, of 2021. So shall we move on to Joel Hiller uh, at Joel underscore Hiller uh, on Twitter. Did you just delete one? I did. Okay. I didn't like it. Okay. He's not Bye-bye. getting a shirt. <laughs> nope. Sorry. All right. Go ahead. What's one underrated storyline heading into the season for the NBA as a whole? Ooh, honestly, I think a really underrated storyline is what's going to happen in Brooklyn because like right now, and I'll, I'll fess up to being part of this. Everyone has the Brooklyn nets and the Milwaukee bucks being at the top of the Eastern conference and they're going to battle it out. But like, I think it's, there's an undercurrent and recently we've started to hear like trade rumors possibly with Kyrie Irving. And so like before the season has even started, is that team even going to be what it is by the end of next year? Like, and I just, it's a fascinating study in putting like that many overly confident superstars in one place (laughs) and And how that's going to pan out because like, basically it didn't really pan out last season. None of them were healthy at the same time. And then, you know, Katie's toe took them out of the playoffs and, or Katie's shoe, not even his toe. And so I just, I think a lo- the storyline right now, the narrative is like Brooklyn's at the top of the East, but I think the, the underrated storyline is, is it actually even going to be that team at the end of the year? Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a one. I have, I have a few that I'm kind of putting my finger on, you know, we are a season away from the Miami heat uh, being in the NBA finals. And granted they got Molly whopped in the first round by the eventual champion Milwaukee bucks. I think an underrated storyline is, is that they seem to have, you know, they brought in Kyle Lowry and they uh, PJ Tucker. 
I think PJ that's Tucker a hugely underrated move. Markeith Morris and they seem to have reloaded as well as you know they signed Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson to to major long term contracts. Resigned um, Victor Oladipo. Yeah, is I I think an underrated uh, storyline is uh, do the Miami Heat with this reloaded roster uh, go back to being an elite team in the East? Yeah, that is one. I, I, um, I, that's actually he- heavy Eastern conference, I guess. Cause I was like researching the East a little bit earlier this week, but like w- Boston, like what is even happening in Boston yeah, right now? What is Boston right now? Because like they, st- like the fact that they have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and Marcus smart on a team. It's like, those are coveted, amazing players that those, any those team three would alone should win you 45, 50 games in a season. Yeah. And so they've got, they've got a brand new head coach in, uh, Ime Udoka. And now Brad Stevens is running things and it's, I just like, don't know what they're going to do. And mm-hmm. so I, that's an, that's an interesting one. And I guess if looking at the Western conference, the Denver Nuggets, I think, are a team that I'm watching very closely. Yep. And all the Denver Nuggets and Dallas Mavericks are teams in the West that I'm watching really closely because two seasons ago, Dallas had the highest rated offense in the NBA literally ever. Mm-hmm. They had the best offense ever. A season later, things were kind of it was like random things were falling apart at different parts in the season. They didn't really have a point in the season where they got really good. And it's like, you have to capitalize on every single moment that you have Luka Doncic on your team. You have to. And I don't care that he already signed the extension. I don't care. You have to capitalize now on the fact that you have one of the best players in the world. Yeah. And so I'm watching that. And then with the nuggets without Jamal Murray through the first part of the season, I am really interested in what it's going to look like. And I kind of think that we're going to see some really cool stuff out of Denver. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm done betting against Jokic. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, a couple more in the Western conference is what does Portland look like? Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, that is a team kind of on the verge of blowing things up. They um, literally didn't make almost any moves yeah but like chauncey billups is their coach that's the move which <laughs> yeah great um really looking forward to that team yeah <laughs> super and then um i have i have i think underrated uh stories for both teams that were in the western conference finals this last season what do the la clippers look like without Kawhi leonard are they still a contender are they in an elite team or, and same thing with the Phoenix suns, you know, like it wouldn't, it it wouldn't be the strangest thing in the world to see them be one and done yeah, kind of a team, you know, especially with how crowded and talented the Western conference is. So I think an underrated storyline is are the Phoenix suns sustainable, right? Like, especially with your best or second best player being a 36 37 year old chris paul yeah it's a great point i mean if we're looking at the jazz um i don't know that there's underrated storylines it's probably just like the most prominent storylines are the most important ones for the jazz is Mm -hmm. are they more than just a second round exit team And that's something that like, we're obviously not going to answer until the playoffs next year, but that, that is the question. That is the narrative. There's not really a lot else that people are asking about the Utah jazz. It's just, are they going to make it out of the second round? Mike, my question. And I think this is pertinent to getting out of the, the second round. Does Quinn Snyder open up the roster? Yeah. I think it's, I think that that's a question that could end up dictating Quinn Snyder's future with the team. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think so. And I think we saw just how devastating it was for the jazz that they were basically running a playoff rotation the entire season. And I hope that Quinn and the organization have learned their lesson 
and that we uh, we get a more expansive roster, you know, and I think the Jazz can do that. And again, I, I hope they don't make the same mistake where like I could see the Jazz getting rolling and out the gate and being a top three seed by the All-Star game and like being in contention of, for the one seed. I would hate to see the same mistakes repeated, yeah. you know, where you cut down your roster and then, you know, Boyan breaks a hand or... Right. You know, Rudy Gobert goes out with a sprained MCL or something like I'm really interested in seeing the the management of the roster by Quinn Snyder this year. Does you know, does does Joe Engel and Mike Conley and Boyon and some of these guys on the wrong side of 30, like, do they get rest days on back to backs and things like that? It's interesting. I was thinking recently because I, you know, Donovan was doing his you know, media push for his um, collaboration with Clorox and donors choose. And he, during that, and Sam Amick from the athletic sort of wrote up a Q and a that happened with him. And he mentioned something that he mentioned last more than once last year, mm-hmm. he mentioned that after the loss to Denver in the bubble, that they got on the bus to go back to the hotel. And it was like, remember this, like when you, yep. you know, you finish eight rips reps, fin- go to 10. And when you're, you know, just go harder, always be going. I wonder how much of that mentality was just like, go, go give everything, do absolutely everything. I wonder how much of that was Quinn and how much of it was the players trying to make up for that. You know, like how much did they actually want to be on the floor all the damn time? Yeah, I can't even imagine that. Like, I know that you're, you know, these are professional athletes and they're crazy competitive. But at some point you got to be like, man, this is going to do it smart. Yeah, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. And we I don't it kind of feels in, you know, in hindsight, the jazz never really found their pace. Yeah. Like, you know, if I'm using the uh, the marathon uh analogy yeah exactly you got anything for me this question which was emailed to us comes from jay and jay asks if the jazz are another first or second round playoff exit team is there reason to believe that they kind of blow it up next season um this this is interesting it is interesting because i I think you, you, I think we start at the top because like, if they are another first or second round exit, like then do we see Justin Zanuck back? Do we see Quinn Snyder back? And then from there, it's like, obviously, I mean, uh, unless Rudy or Donovan are demanding trades, I mean, you still are trying to build around those guys, but if it just keeps falling apart, I don't know, man, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, I think I will try to give my most level-headed answer here. Yeah. And I think that the jazz are fairly young. Yeah. They're no longer really an up and coming team. You know, they, they're, they're two stars are young. I think Rudy is kind of entering his prime. Donovan is not quite there. It's the supporting cast that kind of has me a little bit worried guys like, Mike Conley and Boyan and Joe Ingles, mm-hmm. uh, all of whom are again on the wrong side of 30. Rudy Gay. Yeah, Rudy Gay as well. So I think the Jazz are in win now mode. And I think ultimately, if it, the Jazz are a second round exit, you know, first or second round exit, you're going to keep Rudy and you're going to keep Donovan. Yeah. I really do wonder about the rest of the supporting cast though. Yeah. And then, and then how do you rebuild that team and how do you make it better than what you have right now? So I wouldn't say that it would be a complete blowing up, but it would be a fairly big size construction project. Yeah. I think you, you really start to think and look at what you have in guys like Jared Butler, Trent Forrest, and some of the younger developing guys on the bench. I think you really, really start to examine that and see if you need to develop those guys faster, harder, stronger, longer, you know, but I think that, I think actually 
my initial instinct is probably where I'm going to land on this question is that I don't know that they would blow up the roster. I think that they would probably blow up the coaching staff and see if someone else could come in and get it done. Yeah. I think that would be the more, the more more practical, yeah. Practical, a little more practical approach. Cause like the roster is stacked and the, the jazz, at least on paper this season are deeper that they, than they've been in, decades yeah. at least the, deeper the in they've versatility. been since 98 yeah yeah and they're and they're they're much more versatile so yeah i think you would have to take a really hard look at who is who was out there coaching wise and you know call call someone up you know call i yeah. don't know who you, who you go and call but you call someone i think that's the much more practical answer these are these are fun. I like when people send us questions. This is always great. I think that it like gets me. It gets like I'm in this mode right now where it's I'm kind of like in the dregs of the off season, and I'm like I don't really care about basketball right now, but I'm also like want it to be here, and I'm excited that it's only in 33 days. Uh, and so when we get questions from people that are really thinking about stuff and want to know what we think about the season, it gets my juices flowing, and I'm ready for the season to start. So I'm getting excited. I'm getting I'm getting there. Yeah, there's there's some there's some butterflies churning for sure. And I'm going to get real excited. What is it? October 4th is the first preseason game. It is. Let's go. That is very close. And again, uh, one of the nice things about the Utes being trash is I don't have to care about college football anymore at all for the rest of the season. So it is just full speed ahead uh, towards Jazzland. Speaking of Jazzland. Which one of these lovely people is getting the prize this week? Let uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick look again. Uh, do a quick analysis of the question. Drum roll. I just like his name, so I'm going with Strokey McGee. Strokey McGee. <laughs> Strokey McGee. <laughs> Strokey McGee. Yes. <laughs> Strokey McGee. Thank you so much for your name. <laughs> And for your two questions, you got us rolling this week. Uh, You were the first one on our board of questions. And so we're going to be sending you a a jazz playoff shirt. I will DM you on Thursday after the episode drops. That's Hell yeah. Congratulations, Strokey. I'm also going to be, we'll have, we'll have more giveaways in the, in the weeks leading up to the season too. I've got some more stuff lined up. So stay, stay tuned. Can we close the episode with Billy Squires, the stroke? <laughs> I don't have the, the editing capabilities the and the licensing that, uh, that Jordan does. <laughs> I'm just not that good, but Damn it'll it. be in our hearts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for writing in. This was a lot of fun. I love when you guys do it. You guys don't have to wait for us to put the call out. If you guys send us questions that you have, we'll bank those and use them for the next mailbag. You can send us those on Twitter. You can DM us. You can send them to the email unsalvageablepod at gmail.com. Do all of the things. You guys know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe, download. Follow Greg at DadChampDad. Follow me at NBA Sarah. And we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. That was my AOL goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.